the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Spot Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sylvester, along with the founder of SpotTrack.com, Mike Gennetti. Paul Peck's off this week, so filling in is Scott Allen, one of the other uh, key cogs in the wheel. Maybe the key is cog in the technical <laughs> wheel of SpotTrack.com. And I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic, the subscription-based sports news site, continuing to turn out great story after great story. The in-depth writing, the analysis, investigative reporting, and, of course, national writers will tell you more about a great offer from The Athletic later on in the show. All right, gentlemen, let's let's start with baseball, with baseball and baseball. And this is a fascinating uh, breakdown because it always comes down to the money in this uh, Mookie Betts trade from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. And, and of course, it's a three-team trade and all these other pieces that go with it. Yeah. And fans will look at it on the surface and say, this does not make sense. This looks like a Pirates trade. Yeah, where are you on this? Um, I From both sides. Well, I, I get it from the from I'll, I'll go from the Dodgers' yeah. perspective here. So they didn't just get bets, right? Yeah. They got Price. Yeah. So they got another lefty who has performed in the postseason uh, the last time the Red Sox won the World Series. They got a dynamic player to go along with an already pretty good lineup. Outstanding. With the Dodgers. So they're obviously going for it. Ownership said, we're going for it. We're going to pay the luxury tax. We're going to pay this guy a ton of money mm-hmm. in Mookie bets. So they're going. So I get it. You know, they, they haven't won. They've been close. Windows probably closing on uh, Kershaw and some of these other players that they have. So they're going for it. For the Red Sox, um, I, I think they're just trying to wipe the entire slate clean um, from missing it and not having to pay a ton of money to they're gonna people are gonna come to Fenway because it's an attraction itself, That's right? right. That's so right. they're gonna make money, and I think they just want to uh, reset everything. So before we get into the numbers, let's start right there. Uh, let's let's be Boston fans, unfortunately, for a couple of minutes here. Um, who do they think they are? Do they think they're a Above average size market? Are they a big market? They are. Yes, they have to be a big market. They're big. They have to be, yes. Are they New York big? Are they aligned with the Yankees in terms of baseball? Yes. I mean, it's Yankees, Red Sox. Then why do they have to do this, Kevin? Well. Why why is there any point in time where the Boston feels they have to do this? Now, now let me preface that with, I think it's a smart move. You know me. I'm either either try to win it all or don't win it all. Right, I'm in that mode. Yeah, I, I'm with. You. If you're the Red Sox in, in you know the last 15 years, right? It's been about winning. Yes, right. After a lot of bad, a after lot of bad years. never doing it yeah. uh, or, or shortcomings. But thanks I guess to Bucky freaking Dent, they right? Figured but, it out though. That's my point. For 15 yes. years, they really did figure it out. They they figured out how to align themselves with New York. Why now give it up? Because they're giving it up right now. Well, aren't there aren't there questions about? Uh, you know, one of the things I look at is Mookie going to be as good without getting the the pitches. As I mean, I'm just I I'm not trying to be a smartass there. I'm trying to be serious. Okay. Where I mean, that's a question, uh, for sure. Um, and if you pay him all this money, are you going to be able to? Uh, I think part of it was getting rid of Price. I I do too. <laughs> right. Let's focus there for a minute. Uh, I think this is the culmination of three or four really bad pitching pitching contracts. Truly. I think they missed on Evaldi. I think I think even Chris Sale has been way up and down. I mean, way yes. up, way down. We, we thought his career might be over with that that dead arm injury, you know, a year and a half ago. 
we had no we we were really all over the place on him. I think he's panning out. He's kind of rounding back into form now. But that's a ton of money for that guy. Certainly, Price is a two month a year kind of guy. I mean, he's just, he's just not a, a marathoner, right? He's a sprinter when it comes to these long seasons. So you're way overpaying for that contract. Uh, th- to me, they've just missed, and you can't miss on the pitching staff. That's what we know. That's that's we if we don't know anything. We know that in baseball right now. You've got to have three three starting pitchers that you can rely on that aren't crushing your, your payroll. Uh, and that's exactly what's been happening for the last three years for Boston. They haven't gotten to the finish line in two years here. They missed the playoffs completely last year, and they're paying out of their minds for this pitching staff. Yeah, and, and don't you think they look at what the Yankees have done yeah. and said... With the kids. Well, yeah. Right. Well, two things. They look what the Yankees have done with the kids. And the and, Dodgers, by the way. <laughs> and they, they look what the Yankees acquired in Cole, and they're probably looking at it like, we're not going to beat the Yankees. We're not going to beat the Yankees right. this year. They, so why not do what they did and bring up, develop the young guys like we did with Betts, yes. bring them up, and, and, then we'll, and then we'll add the pitching. Uh, we'll go out and buy the pitching like we've done before. That's You're talking the Astros and the Yankees over the past five years, and, and – when the Yankees bought Garrett Cole and they bought him, they went twenty mm-hmm. million more than anyone else even offered. They bought him. It was a sign- signal to the rest of the league. We think we're winning this year. That's what that is. We we think we're winning right now. We're, we're Houston in twenty seventeen, going after Justin Verlander. We think everything else on our roster is perfect, and this is the piece that puts us over the edge. So from that perspective, if I'm Boston, I am spooked by that. I understand them saying, "All right, we probably aren't in that realm right now." And we've got four kids. I mean, they really do have four kids in Benintendi and Devers and Bogarts and this Michael Chavis kid um, who could be the next generation of Boston Red Sox. They're certainly not there. So from, from a business standpoint, I completely understand this. But it, it bears asking the question, and maybe, Scott, you can, you can chime in here because you're in a town, a big, a big market town that has done plenty of uh, quote-unquote rebuilding with their franchises in Washington, um, you know, why does Boston ever have to rebuild? Is that is that a logical question, or am I reading into this too much? I, I agree with that. I mean, they they have the money. They mm-hmm. have the quote-unquote stardom of playing in Boston and all of the uh, cachet that comes with that. I don't think they should ever need to rebuild. But on the, on the flip side, we've seen marquee franchises – have to rebuild at some point. I mean, look at the San Francisco 49ers. They won those championships, and then they were at the bottom for a while, and now we see them coming back up. So uh, maybe maybe just it's a life cycle that it may be time. One of the things as I was listening to you guys was may, maybe Theo Epstein was hmm. that good that when he left, no, no one knew – how to handle these pitching contracts or how to handle guys. And now we're seeing after five years of these kind of contracts and bad contracts, how good he actually was with the Red Sox and having him gone to the Cubs is just showing uh, that delayed process of degradation. Yeah, It's not for nothing. I mean, that's, it's not for nothing that the first move that Boston made this offseason was firing the GM and president, right? I mean, right. That's, that's what happened before all this happened. So there, something was wrong. And whether it's the cheating scandal, we really don't even know the details on that yet. But whether that had a lot to do with it or if it was what we're talking about here, whereas they looked at their payroll and said, guess what? We're not getting bang for buck anywhere outside of Mookie Betts. So we better move him to get every, to clean everything else up with it. Um, 
it's probably as simple as that. It might be a lot of Mookie not wanting to be there anymore. Um, you know, if you're not going to pay me my, you know, my, my true market value, get me the heck out of here. Um, but I, I think having your point is valid. They looked at Houston, they looked at New York, they looked at the Dodgers and said, why are they them and we're us right now? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and the fact that they cleaned out the front office and then um, with the right. scandal, it's just like, okay, the, the message, just saying if I were uh, their head of communication, I'd say, hey, the message, we are cleaning. Yeah, rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, we're cleaning the decks mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. We're, we're moving on from everything and – um, it's going to be a reset year, if yeah. you will, which fans aren't going to want to hear. Um, but you know what? Uh, that That's the reality. You, you can't win every year. They didn't win every year. But you're right. They, they do get Fenway Park, and they do have these four kids who are going to be stars. So why not this year? What what if they're way better than advertised right now? They could now? be, yeah. right? <laughs> it's, it, they could be a wild card team. There's no there's no question yeah. about it. Who? You, you never know when it comes to that. No. It's not the can't. You know, the other thing I'd say to fans: look, look at we're not the Royals here. No, right? I mean, it's like they had to uh, capture it that year or else. Oh, it in fifteen? Yeah, against yes. my Mets. Thanks, Kevin. Well, I, that's fine. I'm just saying. Yeah, there's um, no need to but go. They could, you could have picked any other small market. But you they had to pick the Royals. But they couldn't. They could not. Um, <laughs> afford to keep that team together yeah they're starting like so janitors now at first base yes. because they're 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 back down to square one but yeah speaking of which kansas we saw, that, we saw that with miami too right oh, every three years they start over yeah. the marlins by the way i just saw this they're the only it was a tribute they're the only team they've only made the postseason twice and they won the world series both times they know they know when to go <laughs> they know when to that's go remarkable. and when to sell man that was that's just remarkable uh <laughs> that that's the case um i'm trying I remember the first time around was Leland, right? Yeah. Who was I forget the second time. They beat the Yankees, remember? Josh Beckett beat the Yankees? Yes. The Florida Marlins? I don't know. Who was the manager the second time? It was around? the old Jack McKean. Was it Jack McCown? McKean was the first time. Was it Leland the second yeah. time? Oh jeez. A couple of seventy year olds. All right. We know nothing. We know nothing. There's no anal- analytics involved what's, in those teams, I'll tell you that. What, <laughs> what's the uh what's the what's the money? On this. Yeah, Scott, you want to break down some of Jason Stark's great it, stuff for The Athletic? Yeah, Jason Stark did a piece for The Athletic here, and this is fascinating you have in the show notes, Scott. Yeah, you ran the numbers out. Yeah, it, it was really interesting. And me, personally, I'm not a huge fan of these kind of projections. I mean, when we when we did Golden State Warriors and all, and people were projecting their potential tax if Kevin Durant was still there, uh, I, I'm not. I'm never really a big fan of that because there's so many variables that could happen in the next five years or whatever. But I found this interesting because we've seen baseball players uh, sign these 10-year deals and then they're locked in and they don't usually move for the most part. But I, so I found this kind of interesting. Um, so he broke it down and there's there's three thresholds for the luxury tax in Major League Baseball. Uh, we're, right now we're talking at 208 million then it goes up to 228 million and then 248 million and then you get taxed based on a percentage and if you're a repeater or not um so he broke it down into pay if they paid uh mookie bets versus him being traded and how much they were saving so if they paid him and they he used an example of if they kept him for this year under his arbitration deal and signed a quote unquote marquee player. He used Zach Wheeler at a 23 million AAV. Mm -hmm. The taxes that would have been added to that 
would be approximately $67 million in extra money that the Red Sox would have had to pay. Yep, as repeaters. Yep. Uh, as repeaters, right. Yep. So then he went is he went even further to say, okay, if Betts is worth a quote-unquote Mike Trout deal of, say, 10 years, $400 million. That's what he's asking for, by the way. It, it, and he so am I, by the way, the Red the show. Sox. Right. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> and the repeat, the Red Sox would be a repeater, and they would be at that third threshold of ninety-five percent rate. <laughs> they're they're talking about the four hundred million dollars would turn into seven hundred and fourteen million dollars because of the tax. Oh. So you're essentially saying he's a seventy-one million dollar player because of adding all that tax on, which I thought was kind of interesting looking at it for a player, not just at their actual contract, but because the team has to pay the tax on top of that, they're actually really worth X amount of dollars. And in this case, with the scenario, $71 million for one player. Wow. We're, that, that's crazy. Yeah, money. Scott, the, the, the takeaway for me for this, and I, I wish you would have hammered on it a little more, uh, but we'll talk about it here. When you, when you do the numbers like this, and, and I try to do this as much as possible when I'm doing my projections, it, because it's not just Mookie Betts, right? I mean, you've got to right. sign, and it's now 20, you've got to carry 26 players now on a Major League Baseball active roster. That's the problem, and it's it seems like an easy problem, right? But that's why Tom Brady taking 10 million less a year really does matter. It matters this much. There's not even a luxury tax in the NFL. It's just a hard cap, so you can understand how difficult it is to get 53 players on a roster plus injured players with, you know, Russell Wilson maxing out at 35 million. This is an example of that. This is this is the quarterback being signed in Mookie Betts and Boston already had like we talked about the pitching. Boston already had 80% of their payroll dumped into their pitching staff. It you just you just can't do this well, and, and, and not win. And that's what that's where they were. They're looking at the Dodgers and the Yankees and they're at best third or fourth right now in the league. With their with the roster they were bringing into February, so it it, it makes a hundred percent sense to move on from bets rather than take these numbers into account. Right, and, and you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because he's assuming that one deal is right now. I mean, we're not even talking about five, six, seven years from now who yes. they've signed on top of that tax. So that three hundred and fourteen million is just ba- is a baseline. Well, that's what so I'm saying, that, Scott. It's going to be impossible yeah. to build. The second you right. lock in bets because of that number, because of the, of the tax you're already going to be paying with that contract, you don't go and sign Zach Wheeler at twenty five million a year anymore. That's done. You, you, you just think yeah. about that for a second. I don't care how much money you have when you're paying seventy one million <laughs> in tax just for the right to have someone work for you. Yeah. Eh, no, yeah. no, and it's an outfielder, right? I'm just, I mean, not for nothing, right? You know, it's not a premier pitcher. That's crazy. Yeah, Where yeah. does that money go? Does it go to revenue sharing? Yeah. Yeah, it goes so right into it all. Would they get a piece of that back? I guess is my question. <laughs> to some degree. To some degree. But probably, well, they got to factor in the know what percentage they're going to get back. I mean, but Boston, we just well, discussed I, I'm with you. Market, yeah, right? I, yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, I, they get their hot dogs paid for it probably. So, but the Dodgers, once they sign him uh, to that kind of deal, they're going to get whacked with this, right? Something similar. I don't know. Is this a is this a quarterback conversation? Do you not it's sign the, this guy? Well, it depends on where they're at. I, I didn't run the numbers or I don't have their payroll pulled up with me, but I mean, I, th- I think depending on what their situation is in the outlook probably would 
matter at that point. I mean, if we if we look at the savings, let, let's jump to the savings real quick. Yeah. Um, by trading him, they slipped down below the luxury tax. Yeah, threshold, way down. Which means they re, they reset. I think they're down to like 16 million below the right. luxury tax, which means they reset. So they're no longer dealing with those thresholds. And instead of being a 95% tax rate, they're at a 20% tax rate if at some point they go over the threshold now. Right. So that, that that's huge because essentially that has them saving $30 million. And then because they're not signed, they're uh, not signing him, they could potentially save that $314 million. Mm-hmm. And Jason Stark made a great point here. He said, if for some reason they had kept bets and signed him to the 10-year $400 million, but instead of trading bets, they traded Sal or Martinez, they would have dropped below the tax, reset themselves, and still could have had bets and not had to pay as much of a tax bill as they would have if they kept all those guys. So why why can't it just be that they've traded bets, they're under for 2020, and they signed bets to $40 million next offseason? They could. They sure could. They absolutely could. Maybe they're smarter yeah. than all of us right now. Yeah. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Um, however, however, that rarely ever happens. Yeah. Uh, because, generally, bridges are burned right now, right? Yes, bridges are generally burned, and teams typically don't trade for players of his caliber not to sign them. And oh, yeah, the Dodgers would, would be out of it big time if they don't keep him long-term. Yeah. I mean, they gave up two legitimate prospects. Well, for plus, him. plus, the other thing is when you have the offer in yeah. front of you for that kind of money, yeah. I imagine it's hard to say, nah, I'm going to wait. I imagine very difficult not to a do bad so. lineup to fall into if you're Mookie Betts sticking uh, sticking with baseball uh, oh oh by the way quickly Jack Peterson that trade did not go through with the Angels right so, let me quickly discuss the Dodgers just one minute on them because Scott you mentioned uh, they're 13 million dollars over right now the, the tax right. threshold um, had that Jack Peterson Ross Stripling deal to the Angels gone through they'd be under so that's the only move they have to make right now is they have to find a buyer uh, you know, uh, for Jock Peterson and Ross Stripling or, or or comparable contracts, and they're under. They're under with this ridiculous lineup and a great pitching staff. So to me, the, you know, they're a July trade away or you know something in the next couple of weeks, but most likely in July, away from not only having this phenomenal team and being the World Series favorites, but also being under the luxury tax threshold. So uh, all systems go for LA right now. Yeah, and last last year they were below the luxury tax. They the Three previous years, they were up at the fifty percent mark. They reset themselves last oh, yeah. year, so yep. uh, they're doing some smart thinking here by making sure they're relatively in good standing with that tax threshold. Yeah, it's all about not repeating. That's really where you got to be. Well, that's uh, wow. We'll see if it. We'll see if it pays off. It's a lot of math for nine in the morning. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some uh, postseason changes uh, that are being uh, discussed, tossed around here for the 2022 season. All right, so a couple years away, seven playoff teams in each league, up from five. Okay. Um, there, there's one I'm going to get to that I really hate, <laughs> and this is it's just one. This right is here. not being received well, by the way. Yeah, because it, w- it's stupid. <laughs> uh, team with the best record usually gets their uh, well, they get to the buy, but then don't they get to the pick? Yeah, they get to the pick who mm-hmm. they play. The division winners. The division no. Yeah, and they want to. Yeah, and they want to make it a reality television show where they show the picking. 
Oh, no. No. It's weird, right? That is, I'm sorry, that is wrong. You don't, so the the, the, the division winner with the best record, um, they play the bottom three, right? Yeah. yeah so the worst records, but then yeah. the, the middle, they get to pick. The middle two teams. Right. First, no. the top team gets a bye. The division winners get to pick their opponent for the for the next. No, <laughs> no, it's it, you know what it's, they can't even get the DH in both leagues. How are like, they going this far? Mathematics, it's pretty simple mathematically speaking to yeah. figure out who plays whom. Right. Well, the first point you made, the seven playoff teams per league, that that makes me think divisions are going. So to me, these, right. these all of these points that, that they've laid out here, they shouldn't be together. We shouldn't be talking about division. Division champions in the playoffs and also seven teams from each league going to the playoffs. To me, it's let's go hockey style. Let's go hockey. Let's go conferences. Let's break sure. this thing out. You, you, you get seven teams from each conference and we go from there. Well, well, hold on. Hockey, though, they take the t- there's top three in the division. Then there's wild cards. They do. Um, they it used to be um, just it, top eight. It was just top eight. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I'm so fine I guess with. I'm thinking basketball. Basketball still does yeah, traditional basketball. top eight. Yes, you're right. Hockey has right. altered it. Um, so maybe maybe and, that's the uh, that's the case study to look at. And but. by the way, I I dislike what hockey has done, where you yeah. have to play out of your division to advance. Oh yeah, I mean it used to be that way back in the old days, and then they got away with it. Now they want to bring those rivalries back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't want to see the same matchup every year. And sometimes, like you, well, for for example, Pittsburgh in Washington, yeah. It was like a first round last year, right? Yeah, the, the the two best teams couldn't meet in the conference final. It was the two most polarizing players in the Eastern Conference, Correct. too, which is really what this is a TV show, folks. Let's figure this out. You know right. what I mean? All <laughs> right. Anyways, I digress. I mean, well, well no, I'm not going to digress. You used to use in football. You used to get, hey, the top quarterbacks would face each other in the NFC Championship game. Right. Right. That can't happen in hockey now. Uh, this should happen in this should happen in baseball. Where that right, I, I like not, it. I mean, if the division winners can pick their second round matchup, that's not going to happen. Well, no, they that, that's this is a silly idea. Yeah. I I'm sorry. Like I get the intrigue. Oh, fans. Oh, great. They picked they want us. We're going to take them. Like, come on. I get it. I mean, they're looking to shake it up. They're looking to, you know, drive a, a younger audience, but I I don't know. Well, feels- from a devil's advocate side, I mean, from a gamesmanship, if you're the first team that gets to pick, obviously you're going to want to pick the team that uh, you, you've done better with analytically sure. or you have know a more lesser pitching staff, you know more. So, I mean, from a gamesmanship, I can, I can get that. But I, I, I mean, for a league that is so hesitant to do radical moves, right. it, I mean, they're sort of making a pretty radical change here for, like you said, they can't even get DHs in both leagues. <laughs> yeah. I think this doesn't get to the finish line, but I, I do think the conference thing is, is a real deal. I think we're going to get rid of divisions sooner than later here. I think it let makes me, let sense. Let me ask you this. Is yeah. there, are there a lot of players that have incentives for making postseason? Because that would be uh, pretty, pretty big if two more teams are getting in and some of those teams that we're on the fringe before, and now those players make the postseason and get an incentive. Do you see a lot of those baseball incentives? Uh, it's no, it's not as common as you'd think. Um, generally, a lot of the bigger players do. Some some are tight. You know what's funny? I've seen more and more of attendance incentives. So if we fill up the stands while you're out there, uh, you know, based on a percentage throughout the entire season, you make this much money. So, so to some degree, that that is sort of you know a postseason incentive because obviously if you're you're in contention in September, you're going to have full house. So, um, 
but it's been more uh, analytical like that, not not straight up. If you make the first round of the postseason, you get this. I've seen it mm-hmm. a few times. Generally, it's it's tied to like All Star and Gold Glove and Silver Slugger, which. What are we doing here? They're so arbitrary and objective. Like I, it's like all pro in football. Like, yeah, we gotta just get away from that stuff. That's old school thinking with contracts. So I, I, I'd like to see more of it, especially if more teams are going to be allowed in for sure. By the way, um, we had a, a breakdown of who would have made it last year under the format. Um, oh yeah, yeah, right here. Well, right here would have in, in the show notes a breakdown of who would have made it uh, last year in that format if you got rid of the divisions. Right? Does Boston get in? Boston does not get in. Man, they had a bad year. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oakland and Tampa. Uh, with, but the, the one thing that really points out, because you got you the team logos with this, is there a more underrated logo in sports than the Milwaukee Brewers? It's the best. Right? Isn't it's it incredible? Best. It's the best. And you know if you zoom in, there's actually more to it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take I mean, a look when you're... Uh, it, it's an incredible logo. It's so well done. It's, it's the best. You know, it's a catcher's mitt. That's the M and the B. The baseball's in there. I mean, it is... So, and they went to that alternative barley thing. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. Matter of fact, I see more of the old, uh, like even when I was out in San Diego for golf and a lot of uh, wearing the old Padres nice. with the brown. I'm like, man, that yeah. stuff was good. Brown you know? is cool. All right. I want to remind you today's episode is brought to you by The Athletic, the subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage. Like that Jason Stark piece. Yeah, on, great piece. Check it out. Yeah, what would have happened had uh, bets stayed with the Red Sox and they had signed him. You also get detailed coverage on trades like that, free agent signings. Uh, hey, we're into NHL trade deadline season here. And, of course, you had all those NBA trades that just happened. You get expert analysis from national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, Pierre Lebrun, plus deep insights from analytics gurus and former team executives. Join today. Get 40% off your yearly subscription. Go to theathletic.com slash Botrack 40 off. That's theathletic.com slash S-P-O-T-R-A-C. 40 off all right let's talk about the xfl and the the format the money uh potential success of this first weekend went in and uh, we all sampled it uh, and i didn't hate it i was like wow okay this is actually football it's interesting uh it was interesting to to hear um all the audio of the game i'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure some coaches hate the fact that (laughs) The audio was picked up of the actual play call itself. Post-interception quarterback interviews. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Um, there's some, you know, like like anything, all right, some things that are, are, are great, some things that are not great. Mike, we'll start with What did you like? Well, I like, some of the rule changes really do make a lot of sense to me. I, I mean, the kickoff I thought was going to be dreadful. It's not. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like, you know, two uh, two armies getting ready to battle at war. And yes. They have to look at each other in the, the eye for a couple of seconds. And they're not that far apart and either, right? Yes. They're not, and there's just less room for damage and, and, and injury. It just makes a lot of sense, and it's entertaining. Um, the extra point stuff, the ability to, to, to jockey the math a little bit with one, two, three, I love that. I mean, as you can imagine, it's just bringing more numbers into it, really. Um, whereas you're you're so confined in the traditional NFL style. That to me, that's what that that was my takeaway. The football was fine. It was, I think, it was better than the AFS first week in terms of football. You had a couple more names that you recognized, but to me, it was they succeeded in being entertaining without being a circus. Yes, you know what I mean. Like it was mm. di- it was different. And it was entertaining, but I didn't feel like this was fake. This it seemed like real football with just a couple of new rule changes. That's all, Scott. What about you? 
Yeah, I really like the the kickoff format. I thought the live refs in the booth really nice explaining right to the ref uh, what's going on. And, and, and they wanted to make sure they were getting it right. He was telling them, hold on, I need to rewind here. I got to check this. But then the ref was talking back. What's the down and distance? What was the game clock? I mean, the, the transparency of the refs was phenomenal compared to what the NFL has had for the last five years of a debacle. So I, I really liked that. And then I thought it was pretty cool from a fan standpoint getting to see uh, inside the locker room at halftime. I know coaches and that kind of stuff. Uh, probably aren't huge fans of that, but as a as a fan of the game and sports, I thought it was cool to see inside that locker room. Um, it, but if I'm on the other team, I'm watching that interview or those those views and seeing what teams are saying and that kind of stuff. So you may get into some kind of quote unquote cheating of that aspect. But I mean, overall, I I enjoyed the product at the beginning of the game. It was kind of slow, but it it picked up and I assumed it would. So um, because they only had like a month, a month and a half to really prep. So um, that's what I took from it. Yeah, I, 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 I eventually, you know, I I thought the pace picked up a little bit. I I think part of that, um, uh, the the referee, the the official stuff was great. Right. Like we got nothing to hide here. There's a hundred percent chance the NFL does that, right? Well, it's going to have to happen. Well, so this is a great they thing about steal it today. Yes, right. <laughs> yeah. No, this this is uh, believe me. They they have to be watching and observing this and seeing reaction like we're just having right now yeah. and the ratings. Um, uh, certainly, that just occurred because uh, it was a, a success. Yeah. on television, yeah. Uh, for sure. And the you know the first iteration of the XFL, there were uh, things that were brought into the NFL. Yeah. Right, and, so, it, and it was a mess. Right, and it still translated a little bit. So yes. I think there's a lot to translate here. Yes, and you know they they won't do it right away. You don't think because it'll be too too, too much obvious. pride. It'll, it'll be too, too pride. Yes, it'll be too obvious. <laughs> um, they won't do it right away. They'll see how it goes through season. I mean, this will be a big weekend to see if the yeah. ratings remain. Um, yeah. However, if you look at just the merchandise sales. Yeah. Right, I mean, they sold out pretty much of everything, everything. Uh, particularly yeah. hats. Right, mm-hmm. logoed hats, like. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I didn't hate the logos. No, I hadn't really checked them out before, but you're like, okay, yeah, they, they, they. You could tell um, McMahon, Vince McMahon, got people involved. Uh, Luck, right? Uh, Oliver, Luck's, yeah. Oliver Luck's involved, who did NFL Europe. Yeah, like, like we're gonna make a legitimate league here. Yes. And that's what he has. And Scott made a great point off air to me. It um, seems he has. They Excuse picked me. the right cities, in my opinion, and they put these things in soccer stadiums, not gigantic football stadiums. Right. Now, a couple, I mean, MetLife's one of them. You could, and Scott even mentioned to me, you know, it looks like an XFL game in, when you're in MetLife versus in D.C. in the soccer stadium. It was packed. It was intimate. It was on top of you. It was more of that feel that you want, you know, like going to a minor league baseball game. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of people down here love that atmosphere because you were up close yeah. and it, it just had a different feel. And then when you did, when you watched that MetLife Stadium game, I mean, it just looked empty. The fans yeah. were further away. Even the camera, you could tell, was zoomed back further because of the NFL style. Um, it, you, you could tell the difference. And that might be something if this league does uh, progress and makes it to a second season, perhaps they move that team to the Red Bulls. Uh, yes. Stadium. Yeah, they took a note out of the WNBA there. That's something that was a big move the yep. WNBA yep. made, saying we're not going into NBA's arenas. We're going to go into colleges and, and smaller venues that exist in these cities, 
and we're going to dominate him. We're going to yeah. fill him up and make this thing sound like it's the, a big deal because to us it is, and we'll grow into those bigger venues. And they have, and, and that's the right way to do this, in my opinion. Well, you got to create a demand, right? So you got to have a lower ticket price. You've got to yes. make it a little bit different, more intimate. Sell uh, the so merch. want to go and right. sell the merchandise for sure. Uh, that'd be cool. You know, I used, to, I used to announce arena football. Yeah. And, you know, one of the uh, selling, the smaller places, it really worked. Yeah. Like, you know, in Buffalo, it was new. Um, you know, I played in the the arena where the, where the Sabres play, and you, you wouldn't fill it. Friday night in summers, like you compete with the minor league team, people want to be outdoors. Yeah, uh, it was new. Um, but a couple things I noticed from that league, um, the, there's a lot of transparency. Like they're, they're, the players were helping to sell the sport, and they're relating to the fans a lot. And the smaller places, like you go to Iowa, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it was amazing, yeah. Right. Uh, the only issue I had, like, there's just too much. There was no defense. Like, there was too much scoring. Right. But they had legitimate players in that league, and if they can keep legitimate players in this league, we'll see. Now, this is where the money comes in. Sure. The salary structure is not tremendous. Not tremendous. But you're getting what you pay for right now. I mean, that's just how this works. You've got, you know, no startup starts off with million dollar salaries. It's just not possible. Um, it's it's. I like how they laid it out. It's it's even, right? They didn't tier it like the the AAF tried to do. Um, they basically said, you know, quarterbacks are going to get paid a lot because, you know, we know it pays the bills here and, and draws the eyes. If we've got good quarterbacks that are getting, you know, a decent paycheck, this thing maybe this thing has a chance to, to exist. So um, some of these quarterbacks, probably your Cardell Jones and your Landry Jones, who have ex, you know extensive NFL experience, can make upwards of five hundred thousand, you know, four hundred ninety five thousand, which was the minimum last year in the NFL. That's my guess is they brought those guys in to say, we're going to give you your minimum salary over there to, to, to be the faces of this league right now. So that makes complete sense. From there down, you've got a 52-man roster where the average is about 55000 And it's paid bi-weekly, but you're making about a grand a week when it, all, when it all plays out. You're making a little over a grand on a base salary. If you're active for a game, you get an extra $1,600. And if you win the game, you get a little, an extra $2,200. So there's incentive to, to to be you know healthy and there's incentive to win. I like that a lot. Uh, to me, for a small league, that's got something that, that's that's a little added something that I, we haven't really seen before. Uh, so you know, kudos to Oliver Luck on the structure. Again, it's not you know, blow you away. We're not going to put these things on spot track and people are going to go crazy for them. Um, but it's a good start, and I think it can go up from here for sure. Well, it's interesting, you know, the quarterbacks, I mean, you know, listen, Vince McMahon knows what brings in ratings, and he had star wrestlers yeah. in WWE, and then you had the uh, um, Iron Mike Sharps, who were the guys who got beat by the star, right? You know? Yeah. Like, right? So, yeah, that's right. You know? Right. Um, like, you know, the, uh, when we used to watch uh, you know, weekly wrestling, you know, back when he, before he became huge, it would be, hey, uh, you know, whatever, John Jones, uh, and then you know, then they bring out you know the Iron Sheik, and like Iron Sheik was the attraction. It wasn't John Jones; he sure. was just there to get beat. Um, the quarterbacks are the stars of this league, and and the other players will will fill in the gaps there. Let's talk about some betting um, because this is going to help drive the league, yeah. is it not? Yes, yeah, they've got the app, just like the app had. Um, you know, if you're in a, in a state that can handle that kind of stuff and it's, it's allowed, you can open up this app and, be, and bet the heck out of the game. By the way, we are not in one. We are not. And we're right. actually losing yes. in New York State. So uh, that's a sore subject right now. Stupid. But, All right. Um, it sounds like that's going to be a big part of this. You know, they have the over-under spread on the, on the graphic. They referenced it a few times. I know Steve Levy did in, in that opening game quite a few times. It seems like this is something. And now 
Scott, I think you mentioned uh, it sounds like that's going to be a network decision, right? It sounds like ESPN, ABC is going with a little of gambling graphics and gambling discussion. Maybe Fox, not so much. Yeah, from what I I watched all four games just to see how. My God, the teams man! Were wow, you need a life. <laughs> uh, my son, when I said, "Oh, there's some new NFL or there's some new football on this weekend," he's like, "Oh yeah, let's watch." So I had it running while we were doing some other things in the background. But it's a terrible um, impression of your son, by the way. <laughs> he's he's a sports fan. He doesn't care what it is. I mean, he was even watching. I digress, but he he was even watching college hockey on espn plus and all this other stuff hey, he doesn't care he loves college hockey is great but, by the way it is great but to anyways watch. um yeah abc and espn they seem to really push the odds they had the spread on the screen they had the over under the whole time they were mentioning over under quite a bit uh they the beginning of the first game they even showed all of the odds for the teams winning the championship. And then when you went over to Fox, I don't know if I heard anything about odds. Maybe it was a random spread here and there, but um, they really didn't promote. They didn't have anything on the screen. So it seemed like it was a uh, company yeah. mandate that ESPN and ABC were really pushing it. Fox, maybe not so much. Maybe Fox in the second week here they'll trend to that. But I, I thought it was an interesting take uh, with how gambling and, and betting have been in the forefront within the states. Like you said, I know Virginia down here, there's a bill up for uh, whether we'll get legal gambling in Virginia. So, um, but it, it was a, a big eye popping difference from what I saw between the two networks. Hmm. You know, it's, um, I, essentially, the networks are betting on the XFL unless they're getting. I, I didn't see what the TV deal was, but are they being paid by the XFL? Is this just paid programming? I would imagine. I would. You'd think so, yeah, right? I would imagine. Unless they all they each said, "All right, we need to bet on this in case it's a hit." Well, the the ensemble that ESPN put together is not the B team. You know what I mean? I right. Mean, they put together a pretty solid oh. team to to cover this yeah. game, um, and it sounds like that's going to be for this entire first season. So whether or not the XFL paid for, you know, experienced talent or ESPN just decided internally, hey, you know, our NFL deal kind of stinks right now, right? I mean, it's working. Obviously, the ratings are fine, but Monday Night Football it might be third on the list in terms of the primetime games right now. So they had a chance to sort of, you know, pick up some momentum with this XFL stuff. So I, to me, Levy. it worked. For one week, it worked. I don't want to overreact, but right. it worked. Levy was a play-by-play -play mm -hmm. guy. Yeah. Steve Levy, who's the color guy? Yeah, he... Um, Steve, greasy. Steve Levy was on. Steve Levy was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast. Yeah. Phenomenal. He, he broke it down. He talked about how ESPN came to him. How they they said you'll you'll get first game, you'll get championship game, and he said even in the minute details, he goes, we even do hair and makeup for this, and, <laughs> and, and yeah. they don't even do that for college. So I mean, they're real. Like Mike said. It seems like they're really pushing all the chips in. And even Fox had some of their marquee uh, yeah. announcers, too. So, I mean, it seems like if they can sustain some stability, it, it may work out. You look at the uh, – we talked about the merchandise earlier. Best-selling uh, XFL teams – this is per uh, the, the hat uh, maker, 47 brand. Oh, they make T-shirts, too. St. Louis Battlehawks, number one. You can understand that. Sure. Uh, Dallas Renegades, two. New York Guardians, three. 
And as far as uh, attendance and, and viewers, the um, we mentioned MetLife was not great. No. No. Um, as far as ratings, 3.3 million viewers on ABC. Two point, solid. 2.9 million viewers on CBS, uh, which is great, right? And then if you look at paid attendance, they average, what, 19,000 per game? Yeah. That's pretty good. It's good. Uh, for that. So um, it'd be interesting to see what happens here. Uh, next go around, and then if they have players come from the XFL to the NFL, yes, that'll be they'll be allowed to leave after the championship game. That's what I read. Um, which, oh, by the way, is the draft is the Sunday of the NFL draft, right? So they've timed that nicely on ESPN, by the way. So ESPN is going to get a big kick off of that as well. So uh, to me, it's just got to outlast uh, March. When the NFL sure. really starts to take over and free agency and the trades all kick back in, um, you know, it does the XFL just dissolve into thin air with the NFL's prominence taking back over, or can this thing sort of outlast, you know, all of that talk? Not to, not to mention the NBA will, will be in full force and March Madness as well. Right. But there's the, a lot going on. Yeah, but the other thing, but but weather is still going on in the Northeast. Yeah, and, and you know, like for half the country, if you will, so yeah. they're going to have people in houses watching television no as question. opposed to doing it in May and June. So no they were smart with that. All right, let's move on to the big leagues, the NFL. And, boy, a lot of quarterback <laughs> stuff that has been confirmed – well, at least confirmed that there's going to be shopping. Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, both bo- both confirmed they will test the free agent market, uh-huh. uh, which is fascinating. So let's start with Phillip Rivers because that was San- – you know, the ch- I said San Diego again. Go back to San Diego, Chargers. Jeez. <laughs> Just makes sense. Anyways, uh, the Chargers – have parted ways with mm-hmm. Phil Rivers. They, they've said it's done. We all assume that anyways because he moved to Florida. Mm-hmm. It's over with. Um, so, No more screwing around here, Kevin. I've, yes. I've got legitimate predictions. I've got contract projections. Where is he going and what's he getting paid for okay. 10-plus players here? What's the contract look like for Phillip Rivers? Look, he projects at about $24 million, which I know he had a bad 2019. He had a pretty solid 2018, and we generally do a two-year scope on our evaluation. So he's getting a, a big kick from – his performance two years ago. I understand what he looked like this year, um, and who knows what he can be going forward. I think a change of scenery will make a lot of sense for Philip Rivers, not just from a business standpoint. I, I've got him at about $28, $27 million a year, realistically, because I think there's probably a couple of teams that will want his services. I think Indy makes sense, as we've talked about. He's got his own uh, coaching connections there, both uh, Frank Reich and his offensive coordinator. Um, so th- to me, that that's a possibility for sure. But at the end of the day, I just think Bruce Arians looks Philip Rivers in the eyes and said, I need a veteran right now. I, I, w- I want to go back to my Carson Palmer experiment, my Kurt Warner experiment. I, I want to see this thing through. You got Mike Evans try to for get, you. I've got yeah. Godwin and Evans. I've got yeah. and O.J. Howard, legitimate weapons, and they're going to bring in some kind of running back. It might even be Melvin Gordon to go with Rivers, right? They might even bring in a couple of chargers here and, and really push this thing through. But to me, that's the landing spot uh, that makes the most sense, and that's essentially where he moved as well. So I don't think it would surprise anybody if he ends up in Tampa Bay. All right. Um, let's go to Brady. Okay. I just, just want the, the, the free agent quarterbacks. Let's start with the free agent quarterbacks, and then okay. we'll get to some other ones who are under contract um, or under team control. Tom Brady. I know what I've said before, and I know what it says here on my notes. Yeah, it says, and by the way, it's contradictory. <laughs> Mike Show Notes says he signs a three year, $100 million extension with the Patriots. That will get him under contract till 45 years old. His goal, his stated goal to play till he's 45. He gets, uh, he's paid over $30 million a year, so no more discount, even though, yeah, no more discount. Yeah. And he remains a patriot for life. 
uh, to which you've said previously on the show he would be an L.A. Charger. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I, I guess that's just going with the momentum, right? Everybody's talking about he's, he's probably going to leave. The relationship with Belichick is damn. I don't know. Doesn't it just make sense that he just goes back? I think, as Scott, I think the, the movie Hall Pass, I think this is a hall pass for Tom Brady. He gets to go and see what else is out there. That's all. Right? He wants to get a couple of steaks in L.A., a couple of steaks mm-hmm. in Chicago, yeah. go meet Jerry Jones for a couple of dinners. He's going to make a trip, take the kids with him, and then he'll be back in New England on a $100 million contract. Doesn't that make the most sense? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it makes the most sense. Yeah, it's basically it, what Josh McDaniels it, does every couple of years. All right. What's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Drew Brees doing? Oh, man, Drew Brees is so tough because for some reason, this guy waits until the final second of life to get a new contract signed. And I think he's going to do it again, but he better not because they have to be considering life without Drew Brees at this point. I mean, he said publicly on the air, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll have to wait and see. So that's not great. Um, to, uh, again, I'm, I'm taking the Brady, the Brady thinking here that he's just going to wind up back where he belongs in New Orleans. Um, and I'm giving him the exact same contract. Three years, hundred million. He's a little younger. He's a couple years younger than Brady. Uh, Production-wise, he had a little better year this past year. Um, he's got a nice offense around him. He's got the best wide receiver in football, arguably in Thomas. He, just come back and do your three for one hundred. Make you know two years fully guaranteed. See what happens, and then get out of there. But I, I do think he comes back to New Orleans. All right. So that prediction, Breeze staying in New Orleans, means Teddy Bridgewater's going elsewhere. It does, and I know I've clamored for him to be the next Patriots quarterback and to, that still doesn't make a ton of sense for me but not if we're saying Brady goes back so where does he end up otherwise boy this one is tough there's going to be multiple teams in on Bridgewater this year there wasn't the last time around and he ended up with the Jets on a really weird contract I don't think that's going to be the case this year I think teams have seen enough now and especially that five-week gap in New, or- in New Orleans where he really held his own in, in place of Breeze there to go and get a starting gig whether that's in Indy if they miss out on, on Rivers uh, I think the Raiders will be interested if they move on from Derek Carr and the Chargers as well. But huh, I'm going to put him in Matt Rule's new system in Carolina. I'm going to make him the next starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers on a big one on four years, 120 million. That's 30 million a year. Um, it's about 15% of what we're projecting that cap to be, which is about right for a, a starting quarterback of 27 years old who's just it's essentially the Garoppolo deal cap adjusted. That's what we're saying for Bridgewater here. And I think Matt Rule wants this kind of player, an RPO kind of guy who can throw the ball downfield and move a little bit. All right, so that happens. What happens to Cam Newton? I, do you, first of all, do we all think he's leaving? Are they done with Cam Newton? Well, he's got bring, one year left. They bring Bridgewater right, in. But let's take, yes. that, take that out of the equation. Do we? Do we? I, I really struggle with this one because I've seen him on every single team now. There's a report that he's going to the Bears, to the to the Cowboys. I don't know. Do I we, thought do, I saw a report they were going to work him out to decide his future. Like, what? Right. Isn't that the, the biggest question? Can this guy actually play football anymore? <laughs> right? Well, can he play football the way Cam Newton's successful playing football? Right. Where he's a threat with his feet in addition to the arm. And is the arm okay? And can he last 16 games? I don't know. I, I just don't know anymore. But I'm going to answer all those questions with, it's not going to matter if he goes here. And that's the Chargers. Okay, the reason you bring him to the Chargers isn't he's going to be our guy for the next five years, which I don't think any team can rely on with Cam Newton. You bring him for one year. It can be a two-year contract or a three-year contract if you need, but it's essentially a one-year franchise tag kind of deal. Or they trade for that $20 million that he's got left right now, which makes a ton of sense too. You know, Throw a mid-round pick at, at Carolina and acquire him on that current contract. 
he's a bridge guy now. Now he's a, he's a face. He's a former MVP. The Chargers need a face of the franchise to, to bring them into LA in this new stadium, right? So they're, they're dumping rivers. They're, they're going to draft somebody, whether that's at number six overall or whether they move up and try to get Tua um, even higher than that. To me, they are going to draft somebody. So this is a bridge move by acquiring Newton to make him the 2020 quarterback. I, I think it makes sense for everybody, including Cam Newton, because I do think Carolina wants to move on. So it'll be Bridgewater in Carolina, then a bridge to somewhere else for Cam Newton. Yep. Dak Prescott. <laughs> he said he. I think he made a comment, um, uh, the paraphrase that they didn't think that franchise tag was necessary. Yeah, because they think a deal's getting done. Do deals ever get done in February? They don't. Know Almost they, never. You know, there's a reason why there's deadlines. Yeah, and the deals get done by deadlines. Yeah, they do. So, and if you if you t- franchise tag them, then the new deadline becomes July fifteenth, which is a long way away. Which means Jerry Jones can do a lot of other things while his quarterback sits on, sits on his hands. Uh, I think that's what happens. I think he does get the franchise tag. Um, do teams negotiate with with the, with them during that tag? I don't know. If if it's non exclusive, are you going to have another team go after Dak Prescott? Maybe. There's just a big list of quarterbacks available here, so I'm not sure anybody would take the time to do that. Uh, I think he plays out that franchise tag, guys. I, I, at the end of the day, I think they're a couple of million apart on this multi year contract, and and probably a, a bit apart on the guaranteed part of it. Uh, especially now that they've been somewhat burned with this Ezekiel Elliott contract. I think there's some bad blood right now and amongst that whole franchise with big contracts. Mari Cooper coming back might not be likely anymore. With everything we're reading, it seems like maybe he's going to test the market. So, are, are, you know, are you are you a better team with Dak Prescott or are you in a, in a rebuild mold and going to rely on your running back going forward? I think a franchise tag makes sense here. And with the new coach there, Scott, exactly um, McCarthy, uh, he's going to want to feel things out, don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, Mike, do you think we're we may see a situation like her cousins where yep. they tag him now and then they tag him again and <laughs> yeah, so I mean, on and so a, forth? It's a great point by Kevin that the new coach isn't going to want to lock in a quarterback he doesn't know about yet. I mean, you're going to want to see this yeah. guy for a year. So again, that that leans itself to the franchise tag. Uh, certainly, they would tag him twice if that if we're in the same conversation next February, right? You tag him again and, and go the Kirk Cousins route. Now, Dak probably doesn't sign. He probably holds out completely from that one. Um, because he'll be one of the better, the, the more coveted quarterbacks at that point. There won't be this kind of, you know, free agent, you know, market. I mean, there's an entire carousel of quarterbacks available that we can go through here. But to me, the one-year contract makes a ton of sense. Um, Andy Dalton. So, you know, they're going to draft Burrow. Yeah. Uh, most likely. So, what happens to Andy Dalton? Well, th- number one, I think he should stay. No, I think they should keep him. <laughs> he probably doesn't want to stay. I think they should keep him though, because are we just gonna are we just gonna take Paul's advice and throw him to the wolves week one, Joe Burrow? No, you shouldn't do that. They shouldn't, right? No. And he, ease it, him in. It's just this 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 recipe's been done. Look what uh, worked with Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, and oh, Mahomes, I mean, and many other teams. Yes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Dan Jones, New York, right? Yeah, like, Lamar, or not, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. I mean, right. There's a, it's a pretty good track record for sit, taking a year off. Yeah, the blueprint is there. He's got one year left. They've got a new quarterback coming in. We all agree that the one-year uh, you know, layover makes sense. I would just ride Andy Dalton for one more year. It does sound like maybe you know his benching last year kind of put a nail in that coffin. So I'm going to say he goes elsewhere, but I'm also going to say I, don't, I think this is the one guy who doesn't get a starting gig, which is too bad because I think he's a heck of a quarterback. Um, not elite by any, by any regard, but a heck of a quarterback. But I, I do like him, and this sounds crazy. I like him in New Orleans. If Bridgewater walks... And if Taysom Hill 
is tendered or is offer sheeted out of there, which a lot of people, man, I'm starting to hear that a well, lot. And he's also saying he's ready to be a starter somewhere. Right. So he's going to sign an offer sheet if one comes because um, he's a restricted free agent this year. So that could leave a gap behind Drew Brees, and you can't do that. I mean, look at 42-year-old quarterback, you got to have a decent ba- backup. So if Bridgewater's out, I like Andy Dalton to sit there behind Drew Brees, be a viable backup option if Brees gets hurt again or if Brees declines immediately in front of our eyes. So that, to me, that's a nice spot for him. And oh, by the way, Andy Dalton's not ancient. He's not an old guy. So you know, if Brees retires after 2020 – and they don't have a draft pick in place yet. Dalton could very well be the 2021 starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. All right, you have three other quarterbacks here, Mariota, Winston, and Carr. I can't even believe I got Mariota on this show because <laughs> he has been such an afterthought for so long. But when I put him on this team and I think about what they've done with backup quarterbacks in the past, doesn't he just seem like he's, he's bound to be the next Chase Daniel? He's going to make way too much money to <laughs> hold a clipboard. He's going to play like seven snaps in the next 10 years. But he's got talent. He's a he's a cra- crazy athletic skilled guy. Um, just seems like you know. Seems like a, the kind of quarterback that would excel in the offenses that are working now in the NFL. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, he's going to have to accept a backup role this year, in my opinion. And is there a better backup spot than Trubisky right now? <laughs> right. I don't think a team feels less less uh, confident about a starting quarterback right. than the Bears do with Trubisky. So to me, that's where he probably ends up as Chicago Bears. Jameis Winston. So we had Rivers going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What happens to Jameis Winston? Who, uh, listen, he can fling it, but the problem is, you know, the other jerseys are catching it just as much as his own team. Right. right. You said the perfect phrase. He can fling it. Can't you just hear John Gruden saying, "We want a guy who can go out there and fling the ball." All right. He's got to fling the ball for us. Well, they have, that, got, they have that in Derek Carr. Do they? Yes. Look at I'm, I, I. I like Derek Carr. I like Derek Carr more than a lot of people like Derek Carr. Um, but I, I think Derek Carr is going to get released in the next couple next couple of weeks. Here, uh, it just seems like the tea leaves are are, are are there for that. And Vegas has to make a splash, and it's not going to be Tom Brady. <laughs> okay, we're seeing a lot of that. It might be Cam Newton because maybe they want to do a little bridge deal, like I mentioned with the Chargers. I don't think they need to do that. I think they can give a pretty uh, low grade deal. Jameis Winston to come in and just open up that air attack, which is what they want to do. They've got a running game. Josh Jacobs is a superstar running back, so they've got a little running you know, rushing coverage for him, which they did not have in Tampa Bay. Maybe it works. Maybe you can open up the, the offense in Las Vegas and the Raiders You know, actually turn this thing around a little bit. To me, they just need a change of pace. Derek Carr is a heck of a quarterback. I think he's really, really talented. He's not as accurate as a lot of people like, but he, I think he falls off this roster, and Jameis is the new quarterback for the Raiders. All right, some honorable mentions here. Taysom Hill. Yeah, I mentioned it a little bit there. They're, they're, they're going to tender him. Now, it, where they tender him, and you've got a first, second, or original tender offer for these restricted guys, which, whichever one they pick will know what's going on. If they give him a first-round tender, uh, he's not going anywhere. Now, he's 29 years old, correct? Is he? My goodness. I thought, he was, I, I thought he's a little older. It could, he could be upper 20s. I don't know if he's that high. My gosh, he is. He's going to be 30 yeah. in August. So, right. So, yeah, not a spry chicken. It's kind of now or never for him. Okay. Right? So, but, but I do think a lot relies on the next couple of weeks where they tender him. If they tender him at a second-round pick, uh, which is you know obviously the lower version of this, I think there's a chance he's offer-sheeted. I think there's a chance one of these teams, whether it's Carolina. I mean, Carolina, if we're talking RPO, that's Taysom Hill, right? Yeah. That's Taysom Hill. And now he's got experience with it to some degree. With these. What, about, what about Chicago? You think? Well, See, I, I think I think they don't want to move on tr- from Trubisky this year. I think they want to ride this out one more year and bring in somebody to compete with them, which I guess could be Taysom Hill. 
But if you're going to throw a big offer sheet at a player, a restricted right. free agent, you're probably not going to have him sit. Gotcha. So I, I don't have them in the equation here. I do have Las Vegas. If if they're you know if they're if they think I'm crazy with Jameis Winston, man, you, you just know John Gruden loves a guy like Taysom Hill who can do a little bit of everything. Yes. So uh, that could be a, a legitimate landing spot for an offer sheet as well. I do think there's no question the Saints tender him, and if it's a first round tender, Taysom Hill is going to be the quarterback in 2021. Okay, he's gonna he's gonna be replacing Drew, Drew Brees eventually. Um, otherwise, I, I expect an offer sheet because that's what you do with guys like this. Joe Flacco. Yeah, I went on a Denver radio show <laughs> like a week ago, and I was like, "Yeah, there's no chance Joe Flacco stays." And then I got off the show, and I thought to myself, "Yeah, but then what are they gonna do? Are they gonna bring in a nobody to back up Drew Locke because Drew Locke is, you know, promising, but he's not." you know, written in stone out there. It's just that John Elway kind of likes what, what he saw for four weeks. So you got to have somebody behind him. You got to have some kind of viable experience behind him. And if Joe Flacco is healthy and now he has a little understanding of this roster a little bit too, uh, you know, does he accept the backup role? He's going to have to somewhere in my opinion. He's, he's under contract for $20 million this year, not, not mm. guaranteed. And he holds a ton of dead cap, like 13 million because they restructured him last year. To me, you take a $10 million pay cut, you get yourself down to $10 million and you fully guarantee it. You give him the Josh McCown deal. One year's $10 million fully guaranteed to be the backup quarterback. And you're the mentor for, for Drew Locke for a year. If you got to get in there and play a couple of weeks, you do it. But to me, you just take your money and you enjoy, you enjoy a, a, you know, a final run here to your career because he doesn't seem healthy enough to handle a starting role now. Jaguars. Boy, the Jaguars. They're going to play two home games in, in England. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, back to back weeks. Fans are not happy whatsoever. Imagine being an NFL team and really having no choice with how you can handle your quarterback. They just don't have a choice. They can't because of the expiring CBA and there's no split dead cap this year. They just flat out can't move on from Nick Foles. They can try to trade him. I think I've given you nine reasons why they probably won't because there's so many other options out there right, right. now. Right. Um, I mean, wouldn't you offer sheet Taysom Hill before you trade for yes, Nick Foles? I think so. I, mean, I would. Uh, so you're going to hear it. You're going to hear team, you know, people say that the Colts are considering trading for Nick. Fo- I just don't see it with that contract remaining. It's fully guaranteed for a year and a half here. The well, the always people are saying huge. it because Frank Reich, the Reich Foles connection, right from of Philly. Course. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm hearing people saying trade him back to Philly. <laughs> well, they're not doing that because no. Carson Wentz is locked in for another 97 years. So, um, I, I just think they're stuck. They're stuck for 2020. They're going to release a, a bunch of guys on the defense. They're going to release Marquise Lee off the offense, in my opinion. They're going to clear a ton of cap space, but you're not you're just not going to take a $40 million dead cap hit to, to move on from your quarterback when you could just suck it up for a year, and I think that's what they're going to do. And Alex Smith, the Redskins. Like, his name, people are like, what? Yeah, remember him? Scott, I'm going to defer to you here for a little bit. Are you hearing anything <laughs> with Alex Smith? Because it's, it's your neck of the woods. Um, number one, is he healthy enough to even give this thing a go? Number two... Um, is there any bad blood right now? I mean, they're they're paying him forty million dollars, and he's you know yeah. he's just flat out can't report right now. So, what are you hearing in terms of the Redskins and Alex Smith? Uh, from what I've listened to, I haven't heard much. It, it, if anything, I've heard about fifty fifty between Haskins and them maybe bringing somebody in. I mean, oh. I've heard Derek Carr thrown around. I've heard um, some some guys have said just draft another quarterback and let's get as many in here as we can and see which one sticks. So, but as your question with Alex Smith, I I have not heard one way or another. I just know that they, they know his leg injury had 
taken longer. He's had a lot of those issues with uh, mm-hmm. uh, in- infection and all that. But one way or another, I have not heard uh, whether or not they're going to keep him or cut him. I mean, I see your notes here. If they cut him, it's what, 32 million in dead cap. That's almost, you, you can't even do that. So, wow. I, you know, the only thing I saw, he, you know, he, he wanted, he's rehabbing to, to get back to some normalcy in his life. Right. Oh and yeah. It, it was life threatening. It was life threatening. Yeah, truly, truly. For sure. So, um, because of the uh, exposed bone through the skin, I just wanted people to cringe when we hit the Herbie yeah. say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. I, I mean, I just can't even fathom this guy would consider coming back to actually play in a game mm-hmm. to risk. And, and again, this is, it was such a freak thing. Yeah. Right. But like, you've got all the money. Uh, I think uh, surviving what he's been through yeah. um, and to be able to jog there's there was a video of him jogging on a treadmill and all these things like that that to me is remarkable you win you win Alex totally Smith. totally you win he's had to have worked a ridiculous amount I mean I can barely get myself to the gym on a Tuesday and you know and this guy had a bone popping through his knee and uh, yeah you know, he's back on a treadmill in about a year so it's kudos to him for sure uh whether or not he comes back uh, look I'm just gonna I'm gonna put my business cap on here because that's what I'm that's what I do here um I think it, it's probably likely that he works out an injury settlement here. His 2020 salary is fully guaranteed, um, and it's, it's up there. He holds like a $21 million cap hit for this year. An injury settlement could reduce that cap a little bit, uh, which would be beneficial to the Redskins. I'm not, tell, I'm not you know, advocating for him to go and, and lose a bunch of money because of this injury because, like you said, it was completely freak, and it happened on the football field. Right. This wasn't an off-field incident where he was being a knucklehead or something. Uh, but I do think, you know, the Redskins can, can essentially work out a settlement, reduce some of that cap hit this year, throw him in a front office role, throw him on the sideline with a clipboard. He seems like a heady guy. He wants to stay in football. Obviously, he's working his butt off. Uh, you know, give him a job, give him a chance to recoup some of that money with a, with a gig in the organization. You know what I mean? Something like that. But probably something worked out here in the next couple of weeks. Well, and, and Redskins fans, uh, if Cardell Jones continues to play like that for the defenders. <laughs> no. <laughs> Go back to the draft, Redskins. <laughs> Just waiting for Scott to chime in with that. Remember when they drafted Cousins <laughs> no, and Robert I, Griffin? Yes. Remember how we all hated that? Yep. That probably wasn't that bad of a deal. Shouldn't well, teams that need a quarterback else. be doing this? If if you're yeah. if listen, if you have any question about your quarterback, yes. do everything, right? Sign a guy, draft two, bring up a guy from the XFL. Let's try well, it all, right? I mean, it's kind of what well, I mean, if if you're uncertain wouldn't you draft one every year yeah. until you found the guy? I would. Right? I would. I mean, what's, oh, we drafted a quarterback. Well, if, if, if you don't know, I mean, I'm not saying spend your first round pick on every guy, but hey, this guy's a while. I mean, why not? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Maybe the, uh, the Athletic will do a piece on that, drafting a quarterback every year. We want to remind you, The Athletic, the subscription-based sports news site, has brought you today's episode. Make sure you check them out, theathletic.com. You can save money on your annual subscription uh that's the athletic.com slash s-p-o-t-r-a-c 40 off save some money we thank them for the support for scott allen and mike Janetti. i'm kevin sylvester thanks for listening to the spot track podcast